Well, I am excited because I'm going to finish a series. Sometimes when I start a series, I get about two, three into it and think, is this ever going to end? Does anybody ever feel that way? Don't be raising your hands. <clears throat> Today, we will be looking at part five, the conclusion, if you would, of the series called Being a Generous Church. And I just want to remind you <clears throat> that this is a generous church. And I also want to remind you, uh, one of my mentors told me, Mike, you need to speak about topics that your church doesn't necessarily need to hear at the moment. But one of the things is I've been thinking about generosity so much in the last month and a half is, you know what, no matter how generous we are, we can be more generous. And that's what I was thinking as we were singing about how great is our God, that, you know, the, the reality of these things, we sing these words and we and we believe them, but I think we underestimate what we're even singing. You know, that truly the God of the universe, the one who says he blesses us with every good thing is from him. Every good thing. And then we're simply commanded, asked to be generous because he's so generous. The title of this message this week is Treasures in Heaven. And I'm going to be speaking about the topic of money. And it's amazing, every time I go online and look at all of these preaching uh, sermon websites, and every time they talk about money, it almost always starts the same way. Pastors don't like to talk about money because they don't think their church wants to hear about money, and everybody cringes as soon as you say the word money. Well, I hope that's not true, but sometimes it is, because Churches over the years, especially when television became so popular and we saw so much stuff on TV, we heard so much about giving, 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 and then it was always attached to to get, to get, to get, to get. And we see it so abused. In Scripture, we see that we are called to be generous, and everything we have belongs to Him. In Deuteronomy 10.14, Behold, to the Lord your God belongs heaven and the highest heaven and the earth and all that is in it. That's everything. From our very life to everything that the God blesses us with, it truly belongs to him. And in Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and all that it contains, the world and all those who dwell in it. If we look at the scriptures, we believe the scriptures, we understand and should know as Christians, everything we have is a blessing from him. And he blesses us because he wants to, because it's his nature he loves his kids so much that he blesses them, but he blesses us that we may be a blessing. And what he blesses us with, we are always to steward it well, to take care of it well, manage it well. Whether it's our time, our, our words that we speak, whether it's the good deeds that we do, all these things require stewardship. Hearing the Lord's voice, praying, seeking his will, knowing his heart, knowing his desire, in every situation. So as we went through these weeks, we stopped, talked the first week about, you know, the born-again experience was necessary for us to really be generous in a sense that brings glory to God. There are generous people out there, but if they're not given out of a right heart, they have no eternal consequences. We, are, we needed a changed heart in that case when we were born again, when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We talked about being generous with our words, giving words of kindness, words of encouragement, and not waiting until somebody thinks in our mind they've earned them, but just to be generous, build them up, edify people, 
But then we talked the next week how it has to go beyond just words into our actions. And then a natural fruit of a relationship with Jesus Christ, a natural fruit of a generous heart will be good deeds, doing those works that bless people. And then last week we talked about being generous with our time because really the others don't do very well if we don't take the time to do those things. You know, people are such... Well, we're, we're in such a hurry all the time. We're in such a hurry. Our calendars are full. I know if you're like me, someone calls you or you want to... Well, if someone wants an appointment, the first thing you do is you look at your calendar and you try to figure out where can I squeeze it in. And as soon as somebody cancels something, you hurry up and put something back in there. We are in a culture that's just going 100 miles an hour all the time. And it's a snare of the enemy. We cannot be generous with our time if we are not controlling our time, stewarding our time, managing our time. And today we're going to talk about the area of finances, but probably in a little bit different way than you might expect. The title of the message, Treasures in Heaven, comes from the scripture in Matthew 6, verses 19 and 20, from a sermon of Jesus. And he's speaking, and he basically says this, don't lay up treasures for yourselves here on this earth. In other words, let me paraphrase Don't spend all your time focusing on what you can accumulate and collect materialistically in this earth, on this earth, because it's all going to be temporary. It's going to be temporary. I know it's a line we've all heard so many times, but I try to picture these things in my mind. And the the line is, you never see a hearse going down the highway with a whole bunch of semis carrying all their goods with them. It just doesn't happen. And no matter what we have in 50 years, 100 years, it's going to be gone. doesn't matter in terms of eternity. And we need to understand that. So he goes on and he says, not only are they temporary, but therefore what I want you to do is lay up treasures in heaven. Lay up treasures in heaven. Because those treasures are eternal. I want to paraphrase again. Why don't we invest in things that are eternal? Then I have to answer the question or ask the question and then answer it, what things are eternal? Well, I can think of two things that are eternal from the Scriptures. The Word of God is eternal. It never changes. It always will be. We could go through and I could give you this elaborate presentation of how man has tried to stop the spread of the Word of God throughout the centuries. Declared it dead in Romania many years ago. It's just, it's, it's crazy what man has tried to do with the scriptures, but it's eternal. God tells us it's eternal and it's never going to change. It's always true. And then the other thing that I can think of right away that is eternal are human souls. We are all going to live forever in one of two locations. We're either going to be in spending eternity in heaven with the Lord worshiping before the throne with the angels and all who are there before us and will come with us and those that may come after. Or we're going to spend eternity totally separated from God in the torment of hell. Two locations, that's it. And God is saying, invest in the eternal. Invest in people. Why invest in people? Because God loves people. He created people. 
They're eternal. We are eternal. You and I are eternal. I'm going to be sharing my main points today are actually the the heading I have stolen from another pastor's sermon. Most of you or many of you have, I'm sure, heard of Louis Giglio, Pastor Louis Giglio. He does some amazing teachings and amazing sermons. And back in 2000, I think it was 2008 or something like that. Maybe it was a little more recent than that. He, 2018, he had a sermon he called The Absurdity of Generosity. The Absurdity of Generosity. Louis Giglio. I'm telling you that for two reasons. One, to know that I'm taking some of his material and making it ours and mine. But two, I'm hoping that you'll get curious enough to go online and listen to it. It's an amazing message that should open the doors open to our heart to being even more generous than you are. And we're going to be looking at a text that you probably have not looked at in terms of generosity before. It's in Matthew chapter 21. And the heading of this text, as soon as I say the heading that's in your Scripture, probably in your Scripture, you'll know the story. The triumphal entry. Ring a bell? Jesus is heading to Jerusalem, and he's heading and walking towards his crucifixion. He is headed towards the greatest event in the history of humankind. And that's where this story picks up. Starting in verse 1, it says, And as they approached Jerusalem, they, meaning Jesus and his disciples, as they approached Jerusalem and they came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell them that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Zechariah was the prophet where it say, he said, Say to the daughter of Zion, See your king comes to you, gentle, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Verse 6, So the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and they asked, Who is it? Who is it? And the crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee story that we're pretty familiar with, I would guess, many of us. There's some intriguing things in there, in my mind, that talk about the absurdity of generosity from the perspective of, does God really need our help with anything? Really? He spoke and the skies were filled with stars and planets. The plants, the animals, you and me, and you need something from us? That's absurd. He doesn't need anything from us. But yet, 
in his wisdom and his perfect plan, he asks us to be generous. When I look at this, God asking us for something. What is he asking for in this text? He says, I need a donkey and the colt of a donkey. Really? You need a donkey. Creator of the universe, you need a donkey. You need a baby colt, a foal of a donkey. What in the world? You need to borrow something from somebody? You need to borrow this donkey from this man that we don't even know who he is? But you need it. Why do you need it? Because you're going to ride in on this donkey to the greatest event in the history of mankind. So he wants to borrow the man's donkey and its colt. Now, God could have created anything he wanted at that moment in time. If he was going to go ahead and get the whole city excited, could you imagine the things he could have done right there to make his grand entrance into Jerusalem? It's amazing. First of all, he could have just said, hey, that donkey's mine. Just go get it and bring me my donkey. Now, if you really wanted to get creative, maybe in 33 A.D. would have been a great year to invent a helicopter. Boom, we got a helicopter. Guys, we're going to town. That would have got their attention. Or maybe he'd have made the first Pope mobile. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, <laughs> a limousine with an opening on top and a great big bubble covering you and you can wave at all the people. That would have got their attention. At the very least, he could have came riding in on the biggest white stallion ever. But he didn't. He borrowed a donkey and the colt of a donkey to come into Jerusalem. And he says the Lord needs them. Yes, to fulfill Scripture, a prophecy that had been given over 500 years before. He could have done any of those things, and they'd have been unbelievably impressive, but he didn't. God asked for something from somebody to ride in on the greatest, to the greatest event in the history. And the second point is he asks, borrow things from ordinary people. Just ordinary people to fulfill his purposes and his plans. This ordinary person. Jesus said, I need a donkey. Go to this place, and there's going to be a donkey and it's cold, and just untie them. And if anybody says something to them, just tell them I need the donkey. And if we read in the other Gospels, because it made all four of them, somebody did say something. Where are you going? My donkey. My donkey. And they said, the Master has need of them. Take them. Go. You know, God usually doesn't just show up miraculously on His own and change a city, change a community. I mean, He could. And there are occasions when God does just show up. But most of the time when God's going to show up somewhere, you know what He does? He does it through people. He shows up through people. He could arrive with all the pomp and circumstance in the world, but he just decided, I need this donkey. 
I'm going to use this ordinary person who has this ordinary donkey, and we are going to go in, and we're going to stir up the entire city. And it was made possible because of this act of generosity of this guy we know nothing about. Here's another one of those people that's in the Scriptures, in the Gospels. We don't even know his name, but people are preaching sermons on him over almost 2,000 years later. We almost all know the story if we grew up in church at all. And if you've never heard the story before, now you've heard it. But we see this in Scripture many, many times where God just uses ordinary people. And we still talk about them 2,000 years later. Remember the widow who went to give her offering and put it in the box? <clears throat> oh, the wealthy had been come dumping their money in and the religious people were putting their money in and Jesus points out to this widow and says, look at this, there's the greatest gift of all. This widow comes and she puts in the last two little coins, that's all she had, and she gave it. Some unknown widow in Jerusalem. God used her in a powerful way. Remember the little boy who went and took a picnic lunch along with a whole bunch of other people to hear Jesus teach. And it went on so long that people were all hungry. And gee, he could have easily said, you know, I'm hungry, but I brought lunch. I got five loaves and some fishes. We're good. But instead, Jesus took this act of generosity of this boy and fed thousands. No name, but he's in the Gospels. Remember the guy named Joseph of Arimathea? Arimathea? Remember what he did? He gave his grave, his tomb that he had carved out of rock to Jesus. Well, he didn't give it to him. He just borrowed it to him for three days. But an act of generosity impacting the world almost 2,000 years later. We see this. God using people. In about, I believe it was actually August of 2015, a small group of people joined a little bit larger group of people. A small group of people from this church went to Nieva, Colombia. You see the picture up there. You might see a real young Colton Sotrowski in the picture in that bright yellow shirt. A young Dylan Ricky. A young Alan Ward. <laughs> Amen. So we went to this city in Colombia that none of us had ever been to before. A group of ordinary people joining with other ordinary people. Funded by the generosity of an ordinary group of people. The church and our family and friends donated money, sent us to Colombia. In a city park outside of our hotel a central location, a busy place in the middle of a city where we weren't supposed to go and minister, but doors were closed. Things changed. God said, go over to the park. We went over to the park. Dan Stewart calls our seven days in the book of Acts. Because of the generosity of a group of people, funding a group of people, we saw blind people get their sight, deaf people hear, 
lame people walk. We saw all these things with our own eyes. We got to be used by God for Jesus to show up in a city because of the generosity of ordinary people. Ordinary people. The crowds came day after day. They went and got family members and brought them back. Sharing testimonies of what God had done. Asking, who is this? How is this happening? And through preaching of the word, through praying, through laying hands on people, Jesus showed up because of the generosity of people. Lives were changed for the kingdom of God because of that generosity. He could have done it any way he wanted to. He could have went in the Eva anyhow, any way he wanted to make an impression. It seems absurd that he'd use ordinary people to do these extraordinary things for the kingdom of God, but he does it anyway. And what happens when this takes place is my third point. We somehow or other get written into God's story because of generosity. The guy who owned the donkeys. The widow's might. Joseph of Arimathea. The little boy with the picnic lunch. It got written into God's story because of their generosity. All of these things are part of you and I getting to be part of this epic unfolding story of God moving on earth. It's amazing. It's absurd. He doesn't need us to do those things, but he does. He lets us. He invites us in to be part of these things. They weren't written in in the Scriptures. None of us are written in because we're famous. We've got this great name or this great reputation or we're filthy rich. No, just because ordinary people, available and generous. And God uses that in amazing, amazing ways. Think of the things that God has showed us in the Scriptures that were prophesied hundreds of years before. That prophecy of Zechariah that Zechariah spoke was 500 years before Jesus. Because the generosity of this man, it came to pass. Makes you wonder, are there things that God has promised people somewhere in the world, could be anywhere, that he's going to use us as a church to bring it to pass? Amazing thought. And I believe it's true. I believe it's true. Out of just being generous and available. Most of the time, I would say probably most of the time, we do not necessarily get to see the results or the impact of our generosity. It happens outside of our presence. It takes place somewhere else. Go ahead and put that slide up of the ministries, that some of the ministries we support as a church. Because of the generosity of the people that attend this church, we're able to impact lives for the kingdom of God around the world. Around the world. When you, when you look at that list, it's amazing. The House of Hope here in Marshall. And there's two other ones. 
Because of our support, we are impacting the lives of young women, young girls, children, actually, in some cases, 12 years old. And not only them, but their families, their parents, and therefore their communities. And who knows what they will become as they grow older in life because of our generosity. True Light Christian School, we're pretty familiar with, pouring into young kids. And we've been supporting them for many, many, many years to do these things. Child Development International, working with children's local pastors and churches in India, Morinar, countries that I can't really, I don't know that I could find some of them on the map, but because of what you're doing out of your generosity, we are able to go in and provide food, blankets, instruction, conferences, seminars, teaching local pastors and local churches how to minister to families and to their children because of our generosity. Nightlight International. Caleb Munson, both of these ministries, one's over in Thailand, one's here in the United States, working to combat the trafficking of children, boys, girls, women, an atrocity that's taking place around us. But because of your generosity, we are able to help rescue some of these people. Ordinary people, donating a little bit of money, changing Lives across the earth. I could go on, but I'll run out of time. New mercies in, in Africa. Engage to go. These mature adults going to these rave parties. And a lot of you maybe don't even know what they are. They're unbelievable. Drug, sex, and music, and craziness. And we've got part of that as we go where these people these women in particular, just mothering these kids, rescuing kids, teenagers, lost young adults because of our generosity. Alpha Center. We've been probably one of the very first churches to come on board with Alpha Center so many years ago. I can't even remember. Leslie Unruh, the founder, came to our little tiny church in Ballatin. And we've been a part of that, rescuing babies for decades spreading the education of the value of life. We don't go, but we give out of our generous hearts, changing people's lives. Ben Goodman, Laura Hibma, the list goes on and on and on. We don't get to see the fruit here necessarily. But I believe as we are building treasures in heaven, one day we may get to see what we have been part of, being ordinary people, available and generous to see the impact we made on lives on this earth as we enter into the presence of God. Amazing thought that God will allow our generosity to be written into his story. Absurd, he wouldn't need to, but he chooses to anyway. And last, but certainly not least, my fourth point here, This thing is absurd from God's point of view because no matter what we give, we get more back. How crazy is that? And I'm not just talking we give 10 bucks, we get 100 bucks. No matter what we give, we are going to get the blessings back. I don't know what those blessings are always going to look like, but I do know there are going to be treasures in heaven for us. 
So no matter what we do here on this earth isn't going to outdo what God's going to do for us. You know, and there's a reality. I, I remember someone, my dad, saying more than once, well, it'd be easy to be generous if you just had more money. I want to offer you this. Generous, generosity is not about money. It's about trusting God. Generosity is about trusting God. Will he provide for us? Is everything his already anyway? Do we trust him enough to be generous with what he's given us, what he provides for us? Do we believe, Matthew 6, don't lay up for yourselves treasures here on earth. Lay up treasures in heaven where they are eternal. You know, when we give generously, you know, it's not like we're just giving stuff away. We're really opening the door for God to bless us. He wouldn't have to do that, but he likes to. He wants to because he loves us. I think I put this on a slide this morning, this next slide, I think. Yes. I kept reading that in my notes, and I thought, God, I just love that. And I'd like to take credit for all of it, but I can't. I had help from Louis Giglio. But it's like this. It's absurd, absurd that we get rewards for loaning to God what God has given us, to do something he could have done without us so that we can get written to the internal story of God and we get to heaven, we'll receive an eternal reward that will never perish. Now, does that make any sense? Try to put a natural spin on that. Try to put a natural spin on that that, you know what, I've borrowed something from you. You've given me something. And then Darren lets me use this trailer. And then I get a phone call from Darren. Mike, can I use my trailer next Friday? <laughs> and I look at Cindy and says, Darren's asking me if I can, he can use his trailer that I have. And this didn't just happen once or twice. It happens many, many times. It makes no sense. Sometimes he had the audacity to come when I wasn't home and take his trailer back. (laughs) It makes no sense. (laughs) And then he gave me his trailer. (laughs) I think he got tired of calling me. (laughs) But think of what the Lord does. He blesses us with everything. And then he asks us out of a generous heart, to give it back to him so he can do something, so he can show up and change lives. And like he needs us. Like he needs us. And then when we do all that and we're good stewards of it and we open up our generosity and we give it away, he says, I'm going to bless your socks off for that. You may not see it today, tomorrow, or even on this earth, but one day you're going to be amazed. And I think for me to be that amazed, We're going to have the privilege of standing before him, and we may hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. You used what I gave you for my glory. You used it well. Here we talked a lot, I've talked a lot about a donkey and the cult of a donkey. But the story isn't about the donkey not about the man who loaned them the donkey. 
The stories about the most generous act in humankind. The stories about Jesus, the guy who was riding the donkey. He wouldn't have to do anything for us. But out of the generosity of the Father's heart and his love for us, he rode that donkey into the city where he was going to be crucified. And out of that generosity came our salvation, our redemption. With the expression of love, there came this joy unspeakable that's in us as we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. All of this out of the generosity of God, the generosity of Jesus. He did that for us. Whatever we need, he has. And he can provide. It's so sad. We live in a world, even as Christians, where we are so taken up with fear, oppression, There's no joy. There's no hope. Those are things that are so contrary to what it should be like as Christians. The Lord has got those things for us. He provided them through Calvary, and he wants us to live in them and walk in them. And he wants us to be generous like he is generous. And he wants us to invest in treasures in heaven. They said to begin with, you're a generous church. Generosity. Let's never be satisfied with how generous we can be. It's really been driven home in the position Cindy and I are in in our lives right now as we're looking into retirement and how much focus I put on what's in this account. Will it be enough? How much do we need? Are we going to be able to continue to give? We ask all those questions, and boy, oh boy, does anybody understand how stupid that is? Really? Like, okay, I'm going to tell you, God gave us everything and he'll take care of me forever. But, no, there's principles of stewardship. I get all that. Saving, give not a debt. I understand that. But the reality is, do we believe and trust God? Can we open up our hearts even to greater levels and be generous? And that's my hope for all of us as we hear these truths, we see these things we get to be part of to know that we can do more. We can do more. And God will receive the glory. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I am so blessed to be able to call you that, to know that you love me, you love every single one of us, God, that you want to bless us. You promise you will provide everything that we need. Father, and you give us every good thing. Every good thing comes from you. Lord, so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would work in our hearts these truths, that they they may open our hearts to be even more generous people. That we would see as we look around the world that's all around us, the many needs. Maybe it's just a kind word. Maybe it's just going over and mowing their grass, cutting their weeds. Maybe it's giving somebody a coat, give them a ride or money for a tank of gas. Maybe it's just giving somebody the time that they don't get from anyone else, letting them know that they are important. Maybe it's the financial blessings that you give us. Lord, help us to see through your eyes. Help us to 
be truly the hands and feet of your son, Jesus. Thank you for allowing us to be part of what you're doing. Thank you for letting us be part of the unveiling of your story here on earth. Lord, and I thank you for each and every one here. Thank you for the generosity that's in this church. God, I pray that we would even become more generous, that more lives could be changed and impacted for the glory of God. Lord, I pray even as we go our separate ways and we trust that you go before us, Lord, I pray that you would help us to begin to see quickly and respond quickly to the needs that are around us. Give us keen ears to hear your spiritual voice, to know when to say yes, when to say no. God, I pray for those things to begin to take place in our lives every day. And Lord, I pray that they would then open the doors to being able to share about Jesus and the reason we can be generous. Father, I ask all these things in your Son's name. May you receive all glory and honor. Amen.